Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program here in Canada. And uh, uh, this program is called Still Growing in Grace because none of us have arrived and all of us are still learning and growing uh, in many, many ways. So I, uh, we have the honor and privilege today of having uh, Richard Murray and Bill Thrasher join us today. Uh, Bill jumps on uh, towards the end of it, but he's also part of part two that's uh, going to be happening next week. Now, this, this particular topic can be a little or a lot controversial. And uh, so my hope is that we do a safe uh, dive into this topic. This is today's and next week's topic on who or what is Satan um, is, is, is an introduction, not a deep dive. Because I think we need... Um, we need some safe conversations on this topic. I've been listening to a lot of buzz, especially in the world of deconstruction, which we've been talking about for the last number of weeks. Um, a lot of people run uh, uh, their mouth off on their, where they're at on their pendulum swing, and it can come off quite harsh. Uh, and that's fine. We need to have grace for, for the journey. Uh, but I, I believe as we continue to grow deeper and let love rule our hearts, our harshness will go away um, and uh, our convictions will be shared with love. So this particular topic, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I've been wondering about it. I've been looking into it and I've, I've got some books that are going to blow your mind. Well, I'll, I'll just show you the one right now. But this particular book is worth getting. It's called, um, uh, oop, I got too much glare. Uh, I See Satan Falling Like Lightning uh, by Rene Girard. Uh, this is probably the most intense book on the subject uh, that I've come across so far. That's going to blow your mind. So you can do a screenshot by rewinding this later. But this is the contents of the book. So I hope it's clear. There it is. Now it's really clear. So screenshot, click. There you go. Um, but that gives you the idea. I like the contents um, page because it gives me a much better understanding of oh, my, my uh, thing is out of focus. There we go. Uh, sometimes we need uh, an index to show us the, more the details of what we're going to be reading. Because I don't want to buy a book not knowing what it's going to cover. Uh, there's so many out there. I got enough behind me on my shelf. And no, I've not read them all. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that. I love books, though. Uh, you sometimes I'll buy a whole book for one chapter or for one section because it's so good and there must be more to it. So today I want to dig into what or who is Satan. Um, I hope I introduce it well when I hit the in the play uh, with a conversation with Richard. Richard's gonna be talking about it with me for a while. He's actually written a bunch of books on it. He forgot to mention that in the actual conversation. Um, uh, so I'd be interested in reading what he has on it. Now, I, from what I'm, what this conversation and where it's going to go, you're not going to hear an absolute definition. You're not going to hear all that. However, I'm here to, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kurt. True book lover. Um, I hope this, this will at least open the conversation. The purpose of this week's and next week's conversation 
is to expand our understanding, not to be right. Okay, big difference on this one, because I'm not done studying this topic. Because uh, I've heard from one pendulum saying, nope, Satan does not exist at all. It's just a, uh, a concept. It's just the word deceiver, uh, uh, the accuser, all these words because they're uh, from a place of translation. Can that be true? Well, there's clearly a category of believers that see that and go, yeah, I, I could see that clearly now. But yet some are saying, no, he, there's still something about the character or there's something that we have to call the Satan to explain whatever it is uh, that is still connected to the evil in this world, however that works. So we're going to have some fun digging into this. Again, none of us have arrived at our answers, but I hope this discussion this week and next week will be really encouraging. I love this conversation. Um, and we need to have more of these that are safe uh, versus adversarial. Um, I don't want to get into the debate stuff. It's not worth it. Um, it just It's just not. It, it's it, it, it's helpful. There, there's a time and a place for debates. It really is because you can glean a lot of information that's a comparison. And, and I love that. I know Keith Giles does a lot of those debates with people and uh, his conversations are good and they're really well done and they're um, done in love. They're not uh, nasty, which is cool. I like that. All right, time to dig in. Let's dig into this conversation of um, uh, who or what is the Satan. And we're going to begin with uh, Richard Murray. So let's listen in on this first half hour of the conversation. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Still Growing in Grace, because none of us have arrived. And uh, the last little while, we've been talking about some pretty heavy topics on deconstruction, and we've we've talked about what that word means and doesn't mean. Uh, not the best word always for people that are authentically just growing in grace. I think I think deconstruction is uh, is probably just discipleship. It's just growing and maturing. That, that's it. So I've got uh, Richard Murray here with me and. Uh, I found out he actually has written a bunch of articles on a topic that's been coming up a lot lately, and I've never fully addressed it because it's been on my back burner. So, Richard, this is this has been going on in the back of my head, and uh, I'm interested in talking about the Satan, and uh, I'd like to hear you know or have a conversation about um, is is Satan real or address some of the concerns we're hearing uh, via the media, not not media media, but in the church world. We're hearing from deconstructionists who are saying, no, he doesn't exist at all, or you're overthinking it. Oh, no, he's really real. He's an angel fallen from heaven, all that stuff. And so there's a lot of fear that's connected to this topic. And my goal is to give hope always. So that's what I want to give, whether we give distinct answers or not. But I'm wondering if you could help me understand your research in this and what have you come to see? Can you give some hope to people? Um, and one more thing before I get you to jump in. I've got some dear folks in my church who have been um, walking through many stages of growth. And when they started coming to Hope Fellowship, wow, they had no idea what they were going to get into, you know, but they love Jesus. And so they've been slowly walking through, revisiting, okay, where do we get our Bible from? Wait a minute, identity in Christ? What is that? Uh, I'm actually righteous? What? I'm one with Christ? So these are newer topics to them, but they're already kind of new deep down. So the Satan thing keeps coming up. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your history on this. Like, I didn't know you wrote a bunch of stuff on this. Well, 
basically my, my whole focus is always on the goodness of God. That's mm-hmm. where the only thing I, that pump, primes my pump. That's the only thing that gets me going really is just the uh, investigating uh, and defending the nature of God. Not that he needs me to defend him. I need to defend him. All right. Because when we defend, uh, when we defend him, we are declaring his goodness. We are declaring the image of God that we believe in. You know, Tozer, uh, we talked before about that, I think, but Tozer said that we grow to resemble by a secret law of the soul. We grow to resemble our image of God and that the most wow. important thing we have, the most important thing we have is the image of God that we elect to believe in. And that's the only thing I believe we carry into the afterlife is the image of God that we that we have with us. And then he's going to he's going to show us and we're going to see how accurate. And if this is the God that we think we've known and, and, um, and there's always more to him to know, even in the afterlife for sure. Can you, can but, you repeat, uh, can you repeat that quote from Tozer? Cause that just kind of put me in. We, like, what? <laughs> yeah. That we tend, uh, by a secret law of the soul to grow, to resemble the image of God that we believe in. Wow. So, so whatever we believe in God is the highest being the highest cause, the top of the chain of being, on it that will grow in both conscious and unconscious ways toward that. Maybe not successfully, but that is what we're, yep. you know, we're bending toward the sunlight. We're, you know, like the flower, yep. you know, yep. we're kind of going toward the sunlight. So what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And um, so when, when I think of Satan, putting aside for the moment of whether he is an ontological being, whether he is an angel or whatever he is, there is something in this existence that has become untethered from God, that has become untethered from his goodness, that has become untethered from his nature, that has become untethered from the nature of Jesus that we see as the express representation of God. There's something here that is opposing it. Now, uh, so what I, you know, where I like to focus is what does this tell us what, what does Satan have to do with the goodness of God? That's always my first question on anything. Oh, How do you have an answer? <laughs> I think so. I think so. But, and see, you, you could say that what we think about God is important. I think what we think about Satan is, 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 is important. It's not as important. We live. It's, it's to it. Yeah, I think every, like you, the way you're saying the concept of, of God, I have been using phraseology that says, Everyone lives their life based on their concept of who they think God is. And Mm -hmm. everyone lives their lives based on their concept of how they think God views them. And so that, that, what you just described about Tozer's quote totally fits in line with this. It's like you keep feeding this, this thing, it's going to manifest somehow, whether it's accurate or inaccurate. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and how we act and what we think about it. Who we attribute evil to. Here's the big thing. Oh, Who do boy. we attribute evil to? Shoot. And because, because if there's nothing out there that's untethered from God's will, if there's nothing out there, then God is going to be the Calvinistic God that sovereignly commands evil. Shall there be evil in the city, Amos says, and the Lord has not done it. You know, uh, I, the Lord, create darkness, the Old Testament says. But I want to explain that because in the Old Testament, if you read Jewish literature, what they believed about Satan, they and they still do, uh, the, uh, the orthodox view of it in, in Jewish Judaism, is that Satan is a servant angel of God, mm-hmm. that Satan is not evil, that Satan merely does what God commands him to do. 
Now, um, so that they believe he was the death angel of Exodus. They believe Satan was the death angel of Exodus. And, he, and you can even see that in the New Testament in Hebrews 2, 13 and 14 and 15 in there, where it says that Satan has the power of death, not God. Satan has the power of death. And, who, and that we're in bondage all during our earthly lives. We're in bondage to him. Now, we're trained to think God has the power of death. No, God has the power of life. So he operates in all these various forms of life. But you can even see the death angel concept in that Hebrews passage, because it, 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 the death angel, he's, they, they will tell you, I've got Jewish encyclopedias in it. It'll tell you they believe he was the death angel and that he is he is God's angel of wrath. He is God's angel of temptation. He is God's enforcer angel. He is the one who goes about tempting us, testing us. Uh, he is the one who goes about punishing us. He is God's punishing angel. Uh, the one who, and he'll, he'll, you know, take life, he'll cause disasters, he'll do that thing all at God's sovereign hand. Now, of course, the majority uh, of, of patristic Christians don't see it that way. They have a different worldview than that. They would say uh, that these things that are untethered from God's love and untethered from God's goodness um, are, um, are from the enemy and that Satan is the enemy. Now, we might disagree or talk more about what the enemy is. But when we start talking about sickness, oppression, uh, destruction, uh, disasters, when we start talking about those things, th then, then there has to be a Satan in the equation or we will go the way of Calvinism. And let me make this point. If, whereas the Jewish belief of Satan was that he was a, a good angel, an obedient angel, Judaism is fairly close to Calvinism because Calvinism believes that while Satan is not a good angel, he is a rab he is a some sort of rabid dog that God keeps on the leash. But still, the Calvinists believe that God sicks Satan on those whom he's judging, on those whom he's destroying. So they believe that uh, that that everything that Satan does, he does with God's express permission. Calvin said it's not just enough to say that God permits it; God commands it. Is that God like the refining Satan to do the thing? Could that, does the refining fire fit into all this? Maybe, um, is that, or is that just pushing, or, or not at all? Well, tell me more. I mean, tell me more. I want to make well, sure I understand. Okay, because okay, you're making me think of this idea of the concept of eternal torment, hell, right? Mm -hmm. And so. When we see the fire of God's love, God is love, I, I've come to see that there's a clear connection and expression that the fire of whatever people call hell is actually his love. Mm -hmm. And it's a refining. And if he uses Satan to refine us, like, could that be part of it? But does, it doesn't make sense in light of uh, people are giving Satan too much uh, power right now, I think. And then if God's the one orchestrating all this, then God's to blame for all the stuff going on. I know. And that's a dilemma. I mean, yeah. that, you just said the, what the perfect dilemma is. And I think, I, I think uh, the reason this is important is not for the reason that most people think it is. Okay. The reason that Satan is important because it helps us understand why God is good and how God is good and what is God's response to evil. And what should our worldview be of evil? Okay, now, again, we, we can disagree on whether Satan's a good angel, whether he's a bad angel, whether he's a dark spirit, whether he's a dark dynamic, dynamic working in a corporate human psyche. You know, there are aspects that he's all those things, all right? Uh, and there's scripture to support all those things to various levels. But 
I, I try to, I posted something the other day about pixelation. You know, uh, yeah. I posted something that had Abraham's Lincoln, Abraham yep. Lincoln's face, and it was pixelated, but you could still tell it was Abraham Lincoln. The point of that post was that when we're talking about metaphysical truths, truths beyond this visible world, mm. man, our problem is we try to get too precise with it. I want a clear picture of what Satan is. I better see every, what do they call Every little uh, little dot thing on there. Mm-hmm. Um, every, you know what I'm talking about, the that pixel. high definition. The <laughs> pixel, oh yeah, duh. All right, so every little pixel, uh, we want to see every little pixel. Well, it doesn't work that way when we're talking with metaphysics, which is why Jesus went around preaching what the kingdom was like. Mm-hmm. All he could do was use allegories, all right, uh, to say what it was like. Similitudes is what you teaching by similitude. So when we're talking about Satan or angels, I don't know what they look like. I mean, I know some people say they've come in and maybe made an appearance briefly here, but in terms of what their natural water that they swim in or the natural environment that they operate in, we don't know what that looks like. The best we can do is use an analogy or an allegory. So what may be a a being or a creature or an angel to us in this realm, who knows what that looks like in the other realm? You know, could it be a floating idea or a floating menacing thought? Who knows? You know, but here's again, if we if we could just keep coming back to this, this is important because in the area of theodicy, T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y, that means defending God's nature in the presence of evil. Mm. All right. Theodicy is a portion of theology where we how do we justify God's goodness in a world where evil happens? Well, as the church fathers believe, you cannot do that if, if you disregard Satan. Satan is the explanation for evil and how we interact with Satan or the Satan, how we contribute with it, how we miss, you know, whether we're doing it consciously, subconsciously or whatever, that, there, there, that this thing that has become untethered from the divine will and from the divine nature is hostile and it produces hostile emotions, hostile thoughts hostile environments, uh, and that this world is as beautiful as it is, and the residual fingerprints of God are everywhere, but also there, there's, there's some fractures in this creation that have changed from the way God originally created it. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not into the original synth. I don't even look at it from that angle, but I would, you know, Chesterton said it this way, we're all seasick, and we're all in the same boat, mm. <laughs> okay, and I thought that's Fine. pretty good. <laughs> but so so when when I uh, I I believe there is a Satan because there is a vacuum of privation in this existence that cannot possibly be by the hand of Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. What I know about Jesus, this he, Jesus doesn't oppress. He went about healing, doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And that and he's the full representation of God's nature. So knowing that as we do, the real question becomes how how do we respond to evil and what should our view, what should our worldview be of evil? Hmm. And if Jesus is our worldview, how he responded to evil, you know, he calls Satan the prince of the power, the prince of this world three times, three, thrice. Yeah. I never say the word thrice, but he said, but that's a good way. Thrice. He's, he called him the, the archon, the ruler of this world. And he's not the ruler of, uh, of the cosmos. I mean, this, this whole visible world is just a little hangnail. If that, on, on the overall layers of existence that are out there. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's attributing uh, power to Satan as much as it is saying if we see something that's not, that doesn't resonate with God's will, then there's something that needs to be overcome. 
There's something that needs to evolve. There's something, the penetration of God into this situation. You know, know, the the rabbis call this kun ha'olam, the healing of the world. They believe that we're here to heal the world, Mm. all right, to heal the fractured world. And I think that's a marvelous ministry, you know, idea. I wish the church could capture that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that Satan is really the enemy of healing. You know, I mean, whatever he is, whatever it is, whatever the spirit of it is, he is the enemy to healing. All right. So he is he is in the way he is the infection itself. Hmm. You know, so what we you know, the way I look at it, the reason why it's important is is because God's I mean, we can look at it this way. Jesus never came across a sick person that we know of that he didn't heal. He never let evil go on in his immediate presence, you know. Um, so when but, we but, see, but what, what if he did, my, the only immediate thing I think of is the guy at the pool of Bethsaida. There's a mm-hmm. ton of people sick there, but he singled out that one guy. He didn't seem, the story doesn't tell us he healed everyone there. So I don't know, but it doesn't tell us he didn't either. Yeah, I true. mean, he goes to the first guy. I mean, if you look, I mean, there's lots of passages that say he healed everyone. He healed all of them. Oh, uh, okay. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, and then you and then the Acts passage where Peter says he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, now listen, we do need to cooperate. I think there's some people that don't want to cooperate being healed with the devil. Okay, so I I don't know, um, you know. And what about the Pharisees? He didn't cast devils out of Pharisees. <laughs> I've always been intrigued by that. Yet they were the most devilish acting ones of uh, you know of them all. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't want to sit here and sound like I do. I just know. I just know that the reason this is important is because if we want to move into the depths of God's goodness, we've got to, we've got to never blame him for things that, that he has nothing to do with. But we and, sing it. We sing it every Sunday. He gives and takes away. Like, wait a minute. That's an attribution to God in charge of the violence and sickness in our world and the blessing. That's the, that's the implication. It's an old covenant way of doing it, but I think it's inaccurate. Yes, and let me say this. See, when we say that Judaism and Calvinism, I once saw a book about Judaism. Uh, a particular rabbi had, had uh, it was a theology of protest, but he, it was called The Abusing God, accusing God of being the abuser of the Holocaust causer, that it comes from God's direct hand. It was put out by John Knox Press, which is a Calvinistic press company. So, but what I'm saying is, as much as I respect both you know, Calvin was intelligent and I really respect uh, Jewish thinkers. I love them. I study them. You know, I studied, you know, I was, I practiced Messianic Judaism in the nineties. They taught me so much about relational theology. I will always be appreciative to the Hebrew mindset. The one, it's really the only area I disagree with them is this idea that Satan is good that, because here's what it, it traces back to. Jewish belief believes as, as does Calvinism that both good and evil comes from God's hand. All right. That, that's just it. It's all throughout the Old Testament because they believe that Satan is God's left hand of wrath. They might believe that, you know, one of the other angels is his right hand or Yahweh, you know, the, the angel and all that. But there's a right hand of God and a left hand of God so that there's duality within the divine nature. There's good and evil in God's nature. Jesus comes in the New Testament, though. And what does he do with Satan and God? He pulls apart their qualities so that when Jesus, when he sees disciples coming back and healing everyone, he says he looked up to heaven and he saw Satan fall. 
And what I think that means is that he saw the satanic qualities fall from our view of God. All right. Mm. That he saw that we had projected these satanic qualities onto God, you know, as the wrath monger and the mighty smiter, you know, and, and the afflictor and the oppressor. And he loves us too. You know, all <laughs> you know, all that work. Things. But when Jesus saw that his disciples finally tapped into this healing thing and that God was here to heal, to save, heal, you know, I came to give life and to give it abundantly. When he, when he saw that, then Satan's images fell down and people could start to see God because the differentiation, you know, differentiation is a great word and it's used in, in evolution. It's used in all things where, when an idea becomes separated from other ideas so that you can understand it better. So, so that when Satan, when Satan, Satan's nature is differentiated from God's nature, then what we have left is Jesus. After the, I call this the glop, you know, just the glop, G-L-O-P, because it's a big glop. Every, they, they, they knew God loved somewhere in that glop, but they also knew he hated and he was just as likely to, you know, smash you tomorrow as he was to forgive you today. But Jesus comes and he removes the glop. He removes the satanic attributes from the divine nature, which now lets us see God as love and light. So well, how about he'll... that? How, the, the Satan, it's important because if you don't recognize what Satan, you don't recognize what needs to be differentiated from the God that we love and serve. Yeah. Does that makes well, sense. Yeah. And he, well, he, he kind of said to them, I said, guys, none of you have seen the father, like nobody. And even though we've got all these historical stories in the old Testament, the scriptures, he's saying it was incorrect. It's like, what? I, I, I didn't catch how <laughs> blunt Jesus was saying their scriptures were incomplete or incorrect. I, I, in fact, just in the last two weeks, that just hit me again with a very fresh, big sledgehammer. It's like, wow. You know, you've heard it yeah. said, but I say. He's clearing it up. He's, take, he's clearing the vision. He's taking the fog out. And, well, every, well, every, yeah, and, th and think about it in the Old Testament, you know, like we talked about in Isaiah and Amos and other places. It says God creates evil. God creates darkness. And yet we flip over to 1 John 1, 5, and what do we find? John says this. He says that this is the message that we heard from Jesus, and this is the message that we preach unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Oh. You know, so, so what's that doing? It's trumping. It's upgrading. See, I, I like to use the term New Testament upgrades. <laughs> there are all sorts of New Testament upgrades in there that upgrades Old Testament thinking, and that's a big one, that God is light. Another one is that God tempts us with evil. James 1 says, no, let no man say, James said, let no man say when he's tempted with evil that God has tempted me with evil. For God isn't tempted with evil and he tempts no man with evil. But every good and honest gift and valuable gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there's no shadow or variableness of turning. To every you person know, who says the prayer right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just heard that spin. It's like, wow. He's the father yeah. of light for all, the father of goodness to all. I just yeah, you know, in. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, hey. I, just, I just heard Richard preaching, so amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, so glad you could join us. I apologize. Absolutely. I'm, I'm here, but I'm here late. Don't be sorry. Hey, yeah, we're just discussing uh, the Satan and why it's important to have an understanding of that. And uh, Richard said that our concept of God's love and, and who God is, is more important than our concept of who Satan is, because that's where we're going to focus. If you focus, well, I don't know. He didn't say this part, but if you focus so much on Satan, you're going to be 
in my opinion, I see more Satan worshiping going on in the church by attributing so much power to this being and deity. Uh, and they, they've, they think it's a battle between good and evil, but that battle has been won. Well, so, the battle between good and evil is the voice of Satan. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's, here's a better question to, because we're going to, we're going to continue this in the second half. Um, but how do we then speak to those in the traditional church who authentically are wondering, well, okay, okay. You make a point. Uh, what's the difference between the Satan of the traditional church and the Satan that we should be looking at? D does he even exist? Like, is it just a mythological being or uh, are the words mistranslated? Cause I've heard people say, well, the, just, it just says accuser it does not say Satan. So what's with that? So these, these are really good questions people are asking. And if you're, just traditional you're not going to question it you go no it says there's a satan so i'm trying to help ask questions and look for a better hope-filled perspective on this because i am sick of the one where satan's got so much power I well, well i think I, I think one thing it, to look at it in terms of what is spiritual warfare mm -hmm. i don't agree with those who say there's no such thing as spiritual warfare i just don't agree with that because paul talked a lot about spiritual warfare and that was after the cross. That was after Pentecost. I mean, some people say it's after the cross, there's no need for spiritual warfare. Well, that, that's not resonant with what Paul said. Now well, we, We've got to redefine it then. Yeah, exactly. So that spiritual warfare to me would be enforcing. We're, we're here, you, you know, uh, I, I remember people using the old, uh, maybe Greg Boyd that used this example about how, um, you know, when we had defeated Japan, that there were still islands out there with, that had soldiers on them. And we just needed that. We needed to go in there and enforce the victory. You know, we mm -hmm. they had surrendered. We needed to go out and make the victory known and then, you know, uh, and enforce it. So whatever warfare we have, you know, Paul said, we just stand. We just stand having done all. We stand with the armor of God on, which is really the nature of God. And, and, it's, affirming, and maybe, it's affirming your identity is really what the armor of God yes, is. Yes, yes. And it, so, so all we're doing is enforcing the victory that Jesus has already uh, won. But I think it was Oswald Chambers said, just remember this, that Jesus defeated Satan, but you haven't. All right. And that, that works on a multiplicity of levels. It works on our victory is based on his victory. And we stand with his armor on. We stand with his divine nature. But it's also... You know, if we take it lightly, you know, and even Peter says, you know, that I mean, um, that, um, you know, about the railing accusation against him. Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to give him any sort of, you know, any. But to, to, to me, the thought I give him is he's not God. Mm. All right. I'm not saying he is God. I'm saying he's not God. And I'm saying his qualities are not God. And I'm saying his impulses and ideas and proposals and accusations are not God. So we have to have a healthy kind of peripheral view when we're shucking off the false images of God. Because you know what's scarier to me in your scenario than giving Satan too much power? It's scarier to me accusing God of doing those things. Of Satan. You know, the, the, not the qualities of Satan. Yes, yes. That's the more dangerous thing. And Zeus. that's really the thing that, that, yeah, that I see is done more in the church, and especially in the, in the Calvinist, you know, mindsets and, and, and all that. That God is accused of being the devil. You know, Wesley, John Wesley, it was a great line. I mean, one of my favorite lines, y'all probably heard this, but, uh, you know, somebody, one of his friends was drowned crossing the river, and a whole bunch of these uh, Calvinists came out and said that, uh, no, he wasn't drowned, his child. He lost his, like, his three-year-old child. And, and uh, the, his critics said that God took the child because of the errors of the dad. The dad was preaching errors, so God struck his child and made the child drown. Wesley looked at those guys, and he said, your God is my sake. 
All right. Wow. Great. Is that a great line or what? But he recognized what you're and, and Wesley moved in and out of stuff. But he every now and then he would just pop something and just say, you're talking about Satan. You're not talking about my God. All right. So so if, if we have the, the reason we might want to hold on to some level of warfare and that Greg Boyd talks a lot about this in the warfare view of God in his books, God, God at War um, and Satan and the Problem of Evil. He says the early church had that view, had that view of, of, a, of a warfare, that something is opposed to God here. God, this isn't one big happy universe where everything's going according to God's plan. It ain't. You know, I'm a criminal lawyer. lawyer and I can sit here tell you, you know, horrible things I saw this very morning of people accused of horrible atrocities. There's no way God did that, commanded that, ordained it, allowed it. You know, it, it's so opposite to Jesus. That, uh, you know, I mean, the devil, if you want to go to the, the courts are great places to see the devil's fingerprints. It really is for a variety of reasons. But um, uh, are they the, are so they the lawyers? Uh, they can be. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm so kidding. <laughs> they can be. Sometimes we have to take on that. Fact. Uh, and, uh, but uh, but I, I hope I hope, if nothing else, that that. Um, it's not, I would agree that Satan is not, uh, is not the way we are traditionally taught because I don't believe the way Satan is traditionally taught now is the way he was traditionally taught <laughs> in the early church. Wow. Okay. And they just had a much more fluid uh, view of it. And, um, you know, and again, I think it was largely allegorical. Now, just because something is allegorical doesn't mean it's also not true. I need to let Bill come in here and talk, but I mean, I, I just, I, I just could keep going on this one. So let, let, let me take a step back and let Bill come into it. So Bill, what are, what are you hearing as, as far as the conflict goes when it comes to concepts of who the Satan is? Cause I know you're hearing stuff and you're, you're creeping and hearing the stuff online and uh, you're probably seeing half the same stuff I am, but just curious. We only got a couple of minutes and then we'll jump into the second half and yeah, continue. And maybe, maybe I can just tee us up for the second half where we're going to sure. go. And, and I'll tell you, Richard's been such a, a blessing to me over the years of, of, of uh, kind of seeing it from a, a very grounded standpoint and, and giving it a, a different view. Um, I, I'm a vacillator. I, I haven't landed on, on Satan and I, maybe that's a good thing, right? And that, that I'm not willing to just stick my, uh, my, my plant my flag in the ground and Satan means X. Um, I don't tend to spend a lot of time with, with Satan as a concept again, because I'm just, I'm trying to focus on Jesus and then, right. Oh my goodness. What a neat idea. I know. Shocking. But I, I would agree with Richard. You know, I think there is a, a warfare. It, it's not a warfare of this, the flesh. It's a, it's a, a principles and uh, principalities and powers that, that are, are, some way in an adversarial role, right? There, there's Satan, his adversary uh, against us. And it's, it's hard to put our finger on what this is. Mm. And, and I do struggle with the ontological concept of Satan. And maybe this is the, the steamroll into the next one, because I, I the, and the only reason I do is because the idea of beingness to me can only come from the one who is being, which is Christ. So if, if, you know, we have this adversarial anti-being, this form. I struggle with the idea of that being ontological in a manner, and it, because it's paradoxical, right? It, it feels contradictory. So maybe that's where we'll tie it up, and we can okay. move to the next idea. Because I think there is the there are these two i two uh, concepts, and maybe you went into that, Richard, where maybe it's a shared 
conscientiousness or consciousness of, of the, the collective humanity that is, is opposing us because we share our consciousness on this higher plane, but we bring them in that knowledge of good and evil, accusatory condemnation mind, judgmental mind, and we manifest the adversary, or is it a fallen angel, which I think has a whole other connotations. And, and like I said, I kind of, I bounce back and forth between these camps. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't pitch your tent. Um, so we're going to, we're going to end with this. Um, for those that are coming from the traditional, he's a, a literal angel who has been kicked out of heaven. One third of the angels came with them and they're ruling the earth right now. To those that are in that system of thinking, which I have been exposed to, um, there is a wider expression and understanding of this topic than we have been told in the traditional church in the last hundred years. Uh, I really believe that it's worth expanding. To those who've gone the pendulums the other way where there is no Satan whatsoever. It's just a concept. It's a philosophy or um, whatever that is. And they'll just say, Hey, you get, no, they just immediately fling, flick their hand and go, no, he, he doesn't exist. There must be room and grace to allow others to also see the other views. If mm -hmm. we come at it dogmatically, we're going to create more division. I think if all of us can hold our hands open and say, Hey, there are other legitimate views that, hey, we're still learning. We haven't got this figured out. Heck, we haven't got God figured out. So um, I just think that's going to be important in how we think through this because I can hear the comments already coming and some mm -hmm. of the uh, drive-by shootings with the post. It's going to happen. I know it. So just, just a heads up to all those who are authentically questioning. There are hope-filled answers, and we just keep discussing them and growing in them. So that's kind of what Can I say one thing? Please do. To the next one yep. that uh, I I'd like to share if we have time just something in the next session about Isaac Assyria's view, which actually incorporates both views. That's right. So I'll oh, leave that. That's a teaser. Woo! <laughs> Hook <and> line sinker. <laughs> All right. All right. We're gonna wrap up with this. Thank you, everyone, and uh, I'll uh, come on live after this and wrap up uh, the actual episode. Uh, thank you for watching. All righty. I, I hope you enjoyed that. Oh my goodness. That's just the, the beginning. Now, this is a huge topic. So our point of having these two conversations this week and next week are not to answer all the details because there's too many. I love what Richard, uh, no, not, uh, Bill said, I've not landed on one spot. And I agree with him. I, I am holding multiple views in front of me going, okay, I see some strength in this. I see the weakness in this one too. Okay, I see really good points in here that are not mentioned over here and so on. So I think there is room for uh, becoming educated, like a good student. When you go to a school, hey, hey, Jermaine, I'd love to hear your feedback on this too, because uh, you're you're probably in sync with me here, uh, exploring these topics and not having landed on a single uh, definition, so to speak. But keep in mind, folks, in the Western world, we need definitions clearer and concise. So it fits into a cubbyhole. Once it's in the cubbyhole of our definition, we don't have to go visit it again. We don't have to think about it because there's a cubbyhole for it and we have a sort of idea what it is and everything else is wrong. That is not the way the Eastern church thinks or has thought. That's not how the church began. It began with a mystical understanding, a more of mystery in these uh, expressions and interpretations. So if this topic, 
think of, of Satan is uh, uh, interesting to you. Great. Next week, we're going to cover part two. Uh, Linda, you asked a question about have the principalities and powers been defined? No, they have not. And I forget if we actually... Um, I'll deal with it next week, but maybe um, I'll, I'll talk to the guys this week. We're going to actually pre-record uh, hopefully Friday, and I'll ask about principalities and powers because that's a good one. I've, I've preached on that. Uh, if I could find that sermon, I'll post it, but yikes. It's a, I found that particular one was a lot of fun to, to share because to me, defining what principalities and powers were actually is more than what it's better than what i was told growing up which is really cool hey jim as well oh by the way linda where are you watching from just uh let us know what state or country or what um and then uh, i see jim's uh jumping in hello jim let me know oh you're watching from massachusetts very cool nice love it uh and forget michael where you're watching from i think you said oregon i'm not sure It'll, I, I forget what state you're in. I can't remember them all. you got so many states. So we only have like a few provinces here <laughs> in Canada. Anyway, I hope that topic was good. Um, if you have any other... Uh, oh, Wallaceburg. Oh, hey, I think we know some of the same people. Oh, my goodness. That's fun. Connie, no way. Connie, how are you? I miss you. I have not chatted with you for a long time. Yay. It's so, so cool. Yep. Um, and yes, Jermaine, the idea of Satan accuser equals the law. Uh, yeah, I've heard all that. Um, uh, again, I, I love how Richard is able to bring a, uh, uh, better boundaries to, uh, around the topic than some of others that I've heard be a little more dogmatic. So maybe that's it. He's not as dogmatic. Um, and I like that. Maybe it's more Canadian. I don't know. Um, but I, I want people to understand this without being afraid. I want a safe place to ask questions, to dig deeper. I'm not the answer person. None of us are, but it's sure fun exploring. So for me, this whole program has been about unpacking some topics of our Christian faith that we've never been allowed to unpackage. Uh, we, we've been given all these answers in churchianity but now I'm questioning the answers and I'm finding that some of them are not really good answers. They're, they're cheeky. They're religious. They're some of them are flat out wrong. Uh, oh my goodness. Like, okay. One, here's, here's just a fun one. It has nothing to do with the Satan topic, but uh, in the last uh, number of months, if you're listening to any debates around COVID and churches losing their freedom, um, uh, one of the phrases churches use is, you know, to don't forsake the gathering of the brethren or even worse, where two or three are gathered are the two main clubs. They bonk you over the head. In fact, they're, it's almost like a uh, crowbar, um, a big thick one smashing on someone's head with these verses, uh, to say, see, God says we must meet together. No, they do not meet that. I mean that at all, not in the way at all. Like those texts mean number one, don't forsake the gathering means, uh, we don't do this life alone. It does not mean getting together as a church. That's doesn't say it anywhere. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. Uh, gathering together where they do it in their houses, not as a big thing. And number two, where two or three are gathered has nothing to do with God being present just because you're meeting. That has nothing to do with it, that text. That text has everything to do with sorting out problems and conflict. And where two or three witnesses are together, there I am, I'm your witness with you. Has nothing to do with gathering. Oh, So anyway, that's just the two ideas. Now, I'll cover that again later, but um, 
that's what this program's for. I want to unpack. I want to interview more and more people. I want to have more and more conversations because we are all growing in grace. None of us have arrived. So it's pretty cool. That's it. I'm going to run. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. Come back next week for part two. And uh, I will throw that question of principalities and powers. If you have other questions, private message me on Facebook or email me uh, because I can't see. Well, yes, I can. I could, but I don't get all the messages afterwards necessarily. Once I go off the air, I can see everything that's live and that's, that's where I'm responding to. So, all right, folks, you guys have a really good one, and uh, we'll see you next week uh, on Still Growing Grace. It'll be episode 79. Today is 78. So thanks again for watching. Hope you enjoyed this program. If you did, uh, comment and share. Thanks a lot. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.